When you first pull into the gravel parking lot in rural Windsor, Vermont, it appears that you have arrived at one of two possible choices, a local brewery or a kayak rental shop. But if you venture out behind the buildings and walk through this enormous culvert, you'll find yourself in the midst of a whimsical place. There, nestled along the banks of the Connecticut River, is a sculpture garden, unlike any I have seen before or since. The Path of Life Gardens, as it is called, is huge. It fills some 14 acres of rolling meadows. And all the art is made from natural materials, much of which is still alive and growing. I was just out of college when I went to check it out the first time. And soon after coming through that culvert and lazily beginning to wind the, the path through the meadow, I came to a sign. It was three pieces of wood nailed to a log, plunked in the ground. The center plank read, Adventure. And above it, there was an arrow pointing in one direction, which read, More. And below it, another arrow pointing the other direction that promised less. I was free of constraints for the day, and so I happily went in the direction of more adventure, and I immediately found myself in a life-size maze. The walls were way, way taller than I was. They were made up of these tightly packed evergreen shrubs. I, I could not see through them. It's the sort of thing you might find in like a, a reality TV show contest, uh, some sort of game like that. And as I proceeded in, something clicked in me. The, the challenge of it egging me on, and I began to run. I, I dashed back and forth, hollering to my friend, laughing, but but also finding myself suddenly intense, feverishly checking out possible ways forward and through, and instead finding dead ends again and again. Confronted by this maze, my response was to race. I remembered that maze this week as I sat with the disciples' fervent requests of Jesus. Only they aren't in it for the, the fun and the adventure right now. With this passage, we've jumped back in time. It comes as part of what's called the farewell discourse in John's Gospel. They've shared that final meal, 
He has insisted on washing their feet. Judas has gone. Jesus has given them that new commandment to love one another as he has loved them. And then this volley, this back and forth. I hear how desperate the disciples are to jump right to the end. I mean, of course they are. Jesus has just foretold his death and their denial. Why would they want to sit in that? And so they try to avoid that uncomfortable middle ground. They begin to race, lobbing fear and demands at Jesus. How can we know the way? Show us the Father. As the disciples are stuck in this maze, shouldering all the anxiety and grief in their world, their reaction is to try to skip over the evolution of a life with God and race to the end. No doubt Jesus has already seen how they are spinning. It hasn't just started right now. And he sees that this is a dangerous place for them. And so we start with his concern for them. Those are the first words that we hear today. Do not let your hearts be troubled. I don't know about you, but his words sound almost absurd to me at first. How could their hearts not be troubled? The word that comes through to us as troubled, though, it's a fascinating one. It's tarasso in the Greek, and it appears a good number of times throughout the Gospels. And it is translated in many different ways, depending on the context. It's mostly used metaphorically and to describe emotions. People's hearts are stirred up or agitated. Their spirits are disturbed. Their minds are unsettled or frightened or even terrified. All from this same word, terrasso. The word describes inanimate objects sometimes too, often water, troubled water, water that's been churned up unpredictable. With Tarasso, something causes an inward commotion, but it happens in a way that seems to lead the person astray, leave them wandering, wayward. This work that Jesus is beckoning us to, it's it's not so simple as willing ourselves to feel something other than what we do. Because that's not simple, but rather simplistic. Jesus knows perfectly well where the disciples are and how they are. And he's asking them to not let what is happening throw them off course. To not let those, those troubled waters wash away the ground beneath their feet. His encouragement here is, 
is then mirrored by this self-revelation as the path forward, like, like a bookend on the other side of their angst. He's inviting them, and us, I believe, into a practice, into this way that is him, as he utters those enigmatic words that he is the way and the truth and the life. He's asking us to hold on to our center, our heart. He's asking us to keep moving forward on the way to be fully present to all these countless dwelling places he's prepared on that way, not just at the end of time, but here, now. It's a practice that a great many of you are already really familiar with here at Resurrection. One way to make sense of this invitation, I think, is is that Jesus is asking us to walk the labyrinth. It looks so similar to a maze, enough so that they get mistaken one for the other. But there are no traps in the labyrinth, no dead ends, just many turns along the way, back and forth, and all the way to the center, and then all the way back out. In all these spots, no matter how far off they may seem, God is present. Each of them has been made ready for us. Walking this way and and living this way, it's a practice of trust, of, of slowing down, of breathing and noticing and of movement. And of course, there are so many ways to do this. It doesn't have to be an actual labyrinth, though that gives us a helpful map and guide. Following this way of resisting letting our hearts be troubled, it could be in writing or in speaking prayers aloud as you notice what needs them as you move through your day. It could be trying to notice when that commotion arises within and reach for that center that is God. It could be even just walking through the rooms of your home as its own labyrinth of sorts, slowly, with intention, naming that God is present in each and every one of them. Returning to the center could be deciding, just for this day, that it can be okay to not have all the answers. It can be so tempting to try to race through, to skip these uncomfortable in-between times of, of not fully seeing the path ahead, of wondering how it will all work out. The good news, even in the midst of so much uncertainty, is that It is not our job to know all or 
to see all or to even have next week completely figured out. Instead, we get to walk and get to slow down, trusting each turn, remembering that no matter how far away from the center we may appear right now, this place, this one right now, has been prepared for us also. Even as the troubled waters tug at our feet, even as life threatens to pull us off course, we hear that Jesus has already walked this way first. He has made the way for us to follow. He has offered himself as that very way.